And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 282 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm JD. I'm Angela Bones Bullock. How is everybody this week? Welcome back, both of you. Thank you. Doing so well. I'm finally back. Glad to have you back. I think we were all waiting for more of that statement. I will trim that pause. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, Just had a, a... Good weekend with uh, visiting my brother. Um, and saw, uh, if y'all haven't watched the Polly Murray documentary on Amazon Prime, you should. Uh, fascinating woman that has semi gotten lost to history, like outside of academia. Um, the elevator pitch is her work as a lawyer uh, uh, inspired Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So. That's uh, that's I think that's that's all the ele- elevator pitch anybody that was listening to this show needs. Yeah, <laughs> you were you were giving me a little more detail earlier, and this person sounds fascinating. Yes, and so important. Mm-hmm. I have added it to the queue. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. I have nothing nearly as interesting or important to bring to the table. <laughs> I I got a graphic novel that I'm very excited about. Ooh, you have to tell me how that is. I, too, have been looking forward to that one. It's called Squad by Maggie Tokuda Hall and Lisa Storl. Uh, And it is about a young woman named Becca who starts at a posh new high school. And she gets noticed by the popular girls. And she gets integrated with them. And it turns out they're werewolves. But she doesn't run away. She wants to be with them. Am I the only one who has that that voice in my head that when I hear werewolves replies, they're wolves, they're castles. (laughs) Who's on first? Specifically Peter Boyle's voice. (laughs) Well, now I'm going to do that. Shit. Glad it's not just me. Now all I have is just just, uh, Abbott and Costello's who's on first in my head. I don't know. Third base. (laughs) I, one year at Dragon Con, got to see uh, Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson do that as Pinky and the Brain. Oh, Ooh. my lord. Pinky was the one asking, yeah, or, or one, one trying to explain who's the name of the guy on first, and Brain was the one asking, no, the guy on first, what's his name? That's perfect. Oh, my lord. Perfect, no notes. It was it was a thing of beauty. The, uh, the only see, the only bad thing about that was that I wasn't there. See, see I would have I would have reversed that. I would have had Pinky as uh Pinky as Abbott. Uh was it Yeah, no, Pinky as Costello and then 
uh, brain as Abbott. See, they talked about this, and they felt like they felt like it was more fun for them to have the characters play against type for the uh, bit, yeah, than to fall into the easy. Like it was, it was the version of it that was more fun for them to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah no, that's always, like, always up for that. Yeah, when when performers are having fun, it it very much bleeds through through the performance. Absolutely. Okay, we have a lot of comics to talk about, and I think all of us want this to be short-ish, except maybe JD. Oh no, I could talk about I could talk for three hours. I cannot. Today was today was a long day. This was a long weekend. Not I mean, the good kind is, of long weekend either. Yeah, I mean, this is the tail end of my vacation, and I'm going back to work in four hours. Okay, so oh, yeah, so, so we're not going to spend four hours your... on this. This is your morning. This is this is nine nine p.m. Well, do you want to know how I actually spent my morning? How's Asleep. That? I woke up at one forty nine a.m. from a call from my mother saying, "Uh, I'm at the emergency room with Mimi, my grandmother, because she's thought she had a heart attack." I was like, "Oh, great." She's like, I have to work in the morning, so I need you to come up here and pick her up whenever she gets discharged. Awesome. I sat in my car for six hours with no information as to what was going on because I was not on the list and my grandmother's phone died. Beautiful. You're her grandson. How can you not be on, not? Because she never thought to put me on the list. No, I just, usually there's kind of like a default list. Anyway, anyway this rabbit hole we don't need to go down that uh no. that does suck yeah i'm picturing a bouncer like at a bar telling you <laughs> you're not on the list and sending you away it was much worse because i went into the emergency room i asked the nurse at the desk like hey i need um, information on this patient i'm her grandson i just need to know like what's going on and when she's going to be discharged she then walked out of her office grabbed a form and handed it to me like she goes here this is a number for the nurse's station over on the other side of the hospital call them goodbye and then walked back and i was like okay um, i had to call three times to finally get to finally just get the information of oh she's being discharged soon and then an hour later i finally saw her <laughs> that sounds like the american medical system at work yeah and then whenever that all happened, the thing is, she went in at 10.30 p.m. and didn't get discharged until 8.30. Actually, no, 9 a.m. So she's in there for almost 12 hours. And the verdict was, go home and get some rest. I mean, in terms of, dis in terms of discharge, it's weird. Because, like, uh, I'll just say from my own personal experience, um... So, when I was in the hospital for my procedure, um, which was over a long period of time, there was a there was a moment where I um, uh, got put into the ICU, but like, just more out of major precaution than anything. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the ICU people like didn't know exactly what I had in me because I was pretty like I was a hundred percent lucid, not like you know semi like y you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um. Definitely not a regular ICU patient, and then the almost immediately the decision was like after like an hour, 
the decision was made. Like, okay, well, you'll if this if how you're reading right now continues, you'll be released in the morning. And yeah, then I got sh shuffled back over <laughs> to my regular room. That uh, it's I won't even say that that's the American medical system. That just has to do with being a um just being a big place and like shifting departments but like you're not a package shifting departments you're a human being that if they fuck up you die so like <laughs> um yeah we can't return you back to the warehouse and get a new one yeah so it's so out that i have lots of complaints about the american metal system do not get me wrong i don't believe that's the uh worst one or one we can really do that much about yeah no you're you're absolutely right there comics, comics. we're gonna talk about comics <laughs> starting with amazing <laughs> spider-man number 75 i speaking of the hospital yeah i the way this ends <laughs> i thought about using that segue jd and thought better of it <laughs> well guess what JD, i don't the, think uh, better of it uh, and i do it anyway yeah, J jd went there um well i'm excited to be excited about Spider-Man again, because I haven't read one issue of Nick Spencer, never really, Nick Spencer's one, never really had any desire to. Um, it's okay if you don't. Yeah, after, but like, so, I'm really excited about this new model they're doing. Uh, Amazing is going to three times a week. I mean, three times a month. Um, Which was essentially what the model was when I last picked it up on a regular basis, which... Uh, I jumped on board, and this was uh, when I was like first really, really getting into weekly, into monthly comics. Um, was that the, one more day? It, yeah, well, brand new day. Brand new day, right? Brand yeah, new. Yeah, day. yeah, because they because they consolidated the titles into amazing, um, and like Dan Slott was the head writer for because like there was it just like this one there was a team of writers. Yeah, but they have like essential dude. I think this one seems to be a little bit more democratized. They didn't uh, pitch just one. Like, hey, Dan Slot's amazing. It's they pitched the entire team that's yeah. uh, writing it. Yeah, I think there was a period before. I think before Brand New Day during One More Day, it was this more even-handed version of this. Hmm. And then Brand New Day was you're right when Dan Slot took over, kind of as the central figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I love what's going on here. Like I, I agree with Angela. It's like it's it's fun to be excited because uh when Amazing was bi weekly and Nick Spencer was writing, it got to a point where I was just like, I'm kinda tired of this. I'm i I'm kinda tired of of repeating a lot of the a lot of these darker things that I just not really into this is not my bag it's fun to finally get to 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 start something that i'm just like oh yeah this this works this works for me yeah i don't i don't want to spend this time bagging on another one i want to talk about what works about this one yeah uh first and foremost i love that we have found a version of well things kind of suck for peter that doesn't feel like it's his fault explicitly yeah. Oh yeah, he's just like he's just kind of like in a crappy situation. He's like, "Well, I can't really do anything about this right." Now. Um, he's just kind of out of my control. Well, I he's 
So I, I didn't follow uh, Superior Spider-Man. I I did love. So I, I get if if y'all will allow me the kind of basic thing is with this issue. Ben Riley shows up, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, like yeah, like I'm back, you know, back in town, got the suit on again, and I'm also funded by the Beyond Corporation that you sold your company to." And he's like, okay. And they have the patented Spider-Man name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, Otto, I hate you. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, Otto. She's like, Otto, you son of a bitch. Of course you sold the name. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And Ben's, kiss. Mm. Ben's take is, they were going to do this either way. At least this way they've got me in the suit, and I'm way more comfortable with that. Because my memories may not be real, but they're real to me. And I have every bit of responsibility and feel all of that, that you do Pete. So, uh, yeah, I'm and I feel doing like Peter this. Feels the same way. He's just really, really upset about the situation, yeah. which I mean, can you blame him? Well, now you've got like Peter in his regular spandex with Ben running around in like the most, almost Reed Richards esque modded suit. Yeah. And like, they keep and they keep updating it. Like he gets back from talking with Peter, and they're updating it again. Like he's got a whole team that is watching for stuff going on and briefing him and prepping mods to his suit to make sure he can withstand radiation from the UFOs. Which, and like Peter, Peter shows up late and gets his butt handed to him. Uh, which and that's how the issue this issue ends with the cliff area is it, where Ben is just like ha I have radiation shielding and then Peter's just over in the, over in the corner vomiting he's like oh shit Peter <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't think about you didn't have radiation shielding whoops like I feel like this should like like there this should be animated and and have like some some Vine uh, audio uh, uh on it because it feels like a it feels like something that should be on TikTok now. Yeah, I mean, to me, Spider-Man is at its best. And JD, we're not getting into what our preferences for movies are. We don't have that kind of time today. <laughs> Spider-Man is at its best when it has a sense of humor that is woven through its DNA. And I think that is part of what works so well for this run. Even the stuff that's, like, not good for Pete is still like presented in a way that feels farcical in a way that feels like, <sighs> Oh darn, this thing happened. Well, I guess I got to try and figure out how to deal with it. Again. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's keeping Pete on his toes in a way that is not. And again, the way the issue ends is not good for him, but in a way that by and large feels like a comedy of errors more than it does. Like here's a tragedy. Here's a tragedy. Here's a tragedy, which is a nice change of pace. Yeah, for sure. Well, and then also, like, I think it, when you don't have the humor, uh, it kind of misses that that is a coping mechanism for Pete. Uh, yeah. That's why everyone fucking loved Peter B. Parker in the, uh, in Spider-Verse. Just utterly sad sack Still a sarcastic, still a sarcastic semi asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even and even with the brief time we got him in, like Chris Pine, Peter Parker, was great. Yeah, that that line reading of "I'm so tired," a tier. 
Also, yeah. his performance as that Peter Parker on the Christmas album is oh my chef's God. kiss. Wait, am I going to have to watch End of the Spider-Verse before I go to work? I mean, maybe. You may also have to listen to the Into the Spider-Verse Christmas album. It's a, it's a tight 90. You know, you yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Love and Monsters backup. I don't think we said. The main the main story was written by Zeb Wells with art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Love and Monsters is one of two backups. This one is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Travel Foreman, colors by Jim Campbell, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Ben, uh, at some point in time, is recruiting team members to back him up. He's looking to hire a couple of heroes. And mm-hmm. he finds Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Yes. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. And it's Kelly Thompson. Kelly Thompson's going to be doing Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Ah! ah! I, I, I have loved Misty Knight for a very long time. Like, I haven't read too many stories with her, but just like the premise of this kind of like cuz she's all, she almost always keeps the the fro has mm-hmm. has the robo arm with the kung fu and it's you know it's just out there kicking ass just like that those bullet points and was Jean Grey's one time roommate uh and like well her first her first constant mainstay uh, in terms of the comics uh was wasn't it it was iron iron fist she was yeah let me start over when she first appeared she was mainly like she did her own thing but she was mainly with uh iron fist like his lover slash co-person in the book and i think that's right that 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 is my understanding yes I just, I love her. I'm ready for more of her. Yeah. I'm ready for more Kelly Thompson. Also that. Also yes. that. The last backup here is called Kafka. It's written by Zeb Wells with art by Ivan Fiorelli, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Uh, I am not familiar with the characters in this other than the, the sort of doctor who we see in the main feature talking to, to Ben and... Uh, Another character I don't actually know and whose name I'm blanking on. Yeah. But who we saw who we saw the Beyond Corporation spring from jail back in Spider Man seventy four in its backup. I don't know what happened because I wasn't reading it. That's fine. Um This is clearly like sneaky stuff going on in the background. There is cloning hijinks. I mean Ben's here. Of course there's gonna be cloning hijinks. Yeah. Um, this is clearly this. This just feels to me like a tease of things to come. Uh, I d- Wait, I'm I did, sorry. You I, said cloning hijinks, but you have to say it like this: cloning hijinks, uh, I, like that. I did. Uh, I did like MJ's comment where, of course, you know Peter's real, real ragged from from heroing and everything. You know his usual self. Uh, and then she's like, you know, well, how's your day? Blah blah blah. And he's like, yeah. It's like, and it, uh, Ben showed up, and she's just like, "Did he?" It's like, I, you know, he's a nice enough guy, but like, shit happens every time he shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I love, I, I love seeing Peter, um, Peter and MJ banter and just talk about the weird things that are happening in their lives. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's nice to see. And well, and then I also did love the spouse where it's just like the best friend that that they don't really like, but of course like they're not going to be totally you know, squishes like you know, I know he's your friend, but like Yeah. You sure? <laughs> Speaking of Peter and Mary Jane, and Mayday mm-hmm. Situations. Dark Ages, number two, written by Tom Taylor, art by Iban Coelho, colors by Brian Raber, and letters by Joe Sabino. The Tom Taylor cult is here. Officially uh, endorsed by Tom Taylor. Yes. yes which we- I'm still, <laughs> after all this time, freaking the hell out about. Um, I'm officially, oh, it- officially the priest for the Tom Taylor cult, per Tom Taylor. I, and uh, I am the second in command. He, uh, I remember he responded to my, well, the teaser was for the first issue of Dark Ages. Um, so far, I've really liked the pacing of this series because the first issue is like, okay, here's the deviation from the regular universe, right? And mm-hmm. then the second issue is like, okay, here's the status quo for like, here, here's where we are. Um, I, I do absolutely love that uh, Mayday Parker has has shown up, or not shown up, but like is in this series. Um, has so her own I, costume. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it's magenta. It's great. Um, so like Mayday Parker, like uh, I when I was a kid, uh, like I well, I said last last uh, episode, like I collected those big, um, those big like sixties reprints from the sixties on the on the newsprints. Well, the, the second thing I was getting was the Spider-Girl Digest at the Scholastic Book Fair at my school. Uh, to the point where, like, I didn't have enough money to buy multiples, so I would go return one <laughs> and get the next volume. Um, I absolutely loved Spider-Girl uh, growing up. And so, like, I, I'm really glad that she's back in some capacity. <laughs> Yeah, I I want to talk about the status quo set up here cuz I I am so used to in Tom Taylor like alt universe stories the status quo that comes out of them is like super dire and terrible and this clearly is a setup that could have gotten there but then we get this like almost utopian society. Yeah. Yeah, with Tony just like okay with technology being gone. Tony uh, Stark is building things in a cave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's uh, yeah, still, still in a cave, hashing things out. Uh, and then, well, and then the uh, the Spider People are kind of the first line of defense. So that since they can't have um, radar, I guess because like they can't do electricity, yeah. they just have a bunch of spider webs around. Their cities, and then Daredevil like listening in for for webs for like like certain webs are linked up to like certain like bells and, yeah. and things, yeah. and he will hear like okay, it's re- it's over in this direction, which and I love because it's like being this... like his partner in that. Mm-hmm. It's this like microcosm of the web of life and destiny, right? Like if mm-hmm. you if you run into this literal web, it alerts the spiders to trouble. Yeah, and who's gonna come? And and who is it? It's freaking vampires. And who's gonna go up against them? Blade, and Elsa Bloodstone, the uh, Wolverine and, <gasps> and Honey Badger. Hey, I was gonna say Wolverine, Wolverine and, Honey and Honey Badger. Badger. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I like I, 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 <laughs> I was too, I was too focused on Blade and Elsa Bloodstone. 
Respect the Kinneys. I, I apologize. <laughs> However, Blade was my first love. So that's like, fair. I, I get attached there. And also Bloodstone is just like so much of a love for me because just like she's just an awesome monster hunter with great hair and giant guns. Like there, she's, she's honey she was made for me. There uh, is a teeny Howard Elsa Bloodstone one shot coming up soon, and I hope it makes a series. I I need I, everyone to buy it. I uh when does it come out? December or January. Okay, okay, cool. I'm 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 making that mental note. Uh I, I also love that um because she has one claw, uh <laughs> Honey Badger just stuck stakes on her claws. Yes, that was so cool. <laughs> Meanwhile, Laura silvered hers. Yeah, yeah, she just oh dipped it into liquid silver and I was like, alright. Okay, I'm sorry. I need a whole series just about the four of them. Right? <laughs> I need a full series. Like, get Teeny Howard on that one or let Tom Taylor just run wild with that. Like, Dark Ages, Midnight Suns, and this core team. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm I'm really glad that, uh, I, of course, I'm um, behind on the X-Men books, but I, I am glad that um, Gabby is going beyond Tom Taylor, because, like, it, with modern comics, like, a lot of people's creations kind of stop with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But Vita I Ayala's Gabby is so good. Their Gabby is so good in New Mutants. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that that was, yeah, that was great. Uh, but the, the ominous, of course, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're rebuilding society and everything, and, uh, but of course, uh, a crack has to happen for plot to happen. There's always an apocalypse waiting. Yeah, literally, in With this the Mystique case. disguising at being disguised as Captain America. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about a horrifying combination of characters working together. Yeah. Apocalypse Mystique and the Purple Man. Yeah, that's how how are they gonna win? It's just like Who have recruited Reed Richards. Well rec- recruited. recruited. There is the purple man standing there, so like Yeah. Who recruited knows? Although, via mind control. Enslaved, I think is the word you wanted. It, well that it, well, we I mean, I have no can... connection to the Purple Man, so I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, the Purple Man's whole thing is, like, manipulating people and controlling their will and perception did you, and, like... Did you okay, watch, cool. did you watch, um... Jessica Jones? Yeah, the, the Jessica Jones series. Oh! Okay. Gotcha. Did not Kilgrave. clock that that was... Yeah. Did not clock that that was the, the same character. Mm. Yeah, Kilgrave is the Purple Man. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's why. Okay. That's why he was always lit with purple on the show. Yeah, and had the well. Yeah, suits. I remember that. I just. I don't think they also, ever called him that on the show. To be fair, I also no. only ever watched that first season of Jessica Jones, and it's been a very long time since I. I watched mean, it. same. Iron Fist kind of ruined that whole. <laughs> I don't even know for me. Thankfully, until, I never got to that. honest trailers, I didn't even know Iron Fist got a season two. Yeah, I did. We're not gonna. We're not gonna talk about that either. We're staying positive. Yes. Um, Dark Age is so good. I love the yeah. character designs in here too. Iban Coelho. Oh yeah, those <laughs> designs are. I mean, that Captain America design in and of itself is it's, just like yeah, fantastic. Great. Yeah, that's great. I what and that, I love Steve having a beard. Yeah, Steve having a beard is great. But yeah, I did. I did love the uh, the twist with. Mystique, like, is like the the way they're acting is like you think it really is. Like, even the reader thinks it's Cap, 
interacting yeah, yeah. with Tony. Totally thought it was Cap. Yeah, it's, and it's like dragging him. Yeah, like an apocalypse shows up, and he's like, "Yeah." Then uh, he because she doesn't change back until after she knocks out Tony. So you're just like, "Holy shit!" Why is Captain America with fucking <laughs> apocalypse? Like what? Uh, although I'm thinking about it, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Reed is under control of the Purple Man, mainly because of the kind of supervillain routes he's caught in the past. Well, here's the question. Is it it a 616-style read, Uh or is it the Maker? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that, like, well, the Maker has, you know, giant head. Yes, but Maker-esque. Yeah, that is that is the is question. It, With Tom Taylor, it can go either way, really. I mean, there's yeah. a whole. I mean, this, this of is alternate. Race. This is alternate universe, so you know. Yeah. Tom Taylor gets to do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yes. Moving on, Deadpool: Black, White, and Blood, number three. Uh, Which I... was your favorite of these three? Oh, I can't. Uh... I can. I, well, I can pick. Well, so well, so far, I would say. Percentage wise, I would say this issue's been the weakest for me. That's um, right. I have not read two yet. Actually, I read one. Okay, uh, which had the Tom Taylor Gabby story in it. Yeah, that was great. But uh, but two also had my favorite sto- uh, story so far. Which... I just mean of three, really. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, well, yeah, because I guess because I can't. I can't, I can't really point to to one of them because I've read, I I binge read, so the one that's really sticks in my mind to me is um issue in issue two. There's a story I forget who wrote it. Uh, I don't have the issue in front of me, but the story is um where he's the writer is trying to write the story and like Deadpool's beside him and he's just and Deadpool's just like no 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 like this this has been done a hundred times and everything and he's giving him advice but or like you know it's critiquing he's like deadpool-ish but then it gets really uh but then it gets really uh not sentimental is not the word i'm looking for genuine where he's like well what about the first time we met and it's then flashes back to the writer like begging his dad for a deadpool comic and going home, and then with crayons, like drawing his own Deadpool comic. Aww. Yeah, and this uh, this should not come as a surprise. You're talking about the Daniel Warren Johnson one. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah that that totally tracks. Uh, it's so because I'm I'm so because I'm so learning a lot of modern names. Uh, what else would we know him from? So he just Murder Falcon, uh, Wonder Beta Woman, Ray Dead Bill, Earth, Beta Ray Bill. Oh, okay. also, uh, kind of plugging my series, the season five premiere of Comics Quest. I'm discussing the Ghost Fleet, which he drew. Ah, and was written by Donny Cates, and it's a really fun comic. And Daniel Warren Johnson is the best. Uh, but yeah, it was. Yeah, that was that was just a really sweet like eight page story, um, of just yeah, just kind of showing the it like 
Deadpool can be written very poorly, very easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, like, I feel like the uh, bullseye story in this one approaches that in certain points for me. Towards the beginning, I legitimately didn't know what was going on, but then eventually it I started to kind of understand what was going on, and it, I just started chuckling. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the... Yeah, it's that would... Yeah, I, I didn't have an issue with the bullseye one, although I get where you're coming from. For me in this one, the standout was the last one, the Stan Sakai yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, partly just because it's Stan Sakai. Mm-hmm. I mean, at a certain base level, just seeing Stan Sakai do eight pages of Deadpool is delightful. Yeah. Uh, but I had fun with it, and uh, Rochelle yeah. Rosenberg colored that one. Uh, yeah, no, I, I did enjoy the last story in this one, because uh, he's just trying out different weapons. Weapons. And, it's like, like, how did Deadpool decide on swords? That's the premise. That's so good. Why am Deadpool sword guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Also, uh, Angela, if you want to check out something else that's really good of Daniel Warren Johnson's was, I believe it was Batman Black and White number four that he did a story for. It was the only one that we discussed, Alex, on on the past episode. I think it was number four. He also did... I mean, honestly, like, any of these eight-page stories that he has done have been great. He's done a bunch of anthologies lately. Um... He's really good at eight pagers. And they're, it's funny, his longer form work tends to be this like bombastic, heady, heavy metal, like 80s pulp vibe. I mean, that's, I mean, Murder Falcon is literally about saving the world through heavy metal. Whereas his eight pagers, his short work tends to be like sentimental. Mm-hmm. It feels so different than his long form work, but in a way that really like, is sweet. Oh, there was a Superman one. That's the other one I'm thinking of. There was a Superman one in one of the uh, red, white, and blue Superman books that was really nice. Yeah. I, I I am kind of, like, this is the first the Deadpool one is the first one that I picked up in terms of, but, like, I have seen all these different, and I kind of like that idea of just, like, letting people that will probably never get the chance to, like, write their main stories the main series of a character like, get to play with them yeah. Um, now I'm a big fan of the anthologies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I have the first three of the Wonder Woman White and Gold. I just haven't dug into them yet. And it's funny that because I have both Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl on my pull list, I just keep they just keep putting White and Gold in my folder. I'm just like I I don't have the heart to say no. I don't want it. I'm like no. It's Wonder Woman. I want it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are those are good too. Um. I feel like the difference kind of between the DC ones and the Marvel ones is the Marvel ones, I think, are mostly shooting at let's just let everyone get a hand on the ball. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they'll have someone like Stan Sakai, who Stan Sakai is never going to do a whole issue of Deadpool, probably. But for eight pages, sure, why not? Yeah. The DC ones, I think they've got a slightly different goal, which is to get really like artist forward teams on the book and to really do things that are not sustainable in a longer format yeah um like there are some really gorgeous 
in black, Batman Black and White, Superman Red, White, and Blue, Wonder Woman Black and Gold. Uh, some really gorgeous stories. Hey, JD. Yes. Wait. No, nope, I marked that <laughs> wrong. Let's talk about Eternal Celestia number one. <laughs> Let's. Uh, and well, I guess this is also semi uh, another pitch for our show, uh, Fatal yeah. Reflections, which uh, our last episode on Sandman uh, dropped this past Friday. We mm-hmm. announced on it that we are officially part of the CPOV family. That's right. We I meant to st- start talking about that, and my day was shit, so I didn't. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I don't know how I keep getting shows that I'm on onto this network. <laughs> I don't get it. The I'll, I know the reason why Fables and Reflections here is because of Angela, and because Angela's awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm here though. Yeah, well, once we you get you in, here. you never get to leave. Yeah, yeah. It's, a ho- it's Hotel California up in this bitch. Uh, I was going for a roach motel. I like your answer better. <laughs> Welcome to the Hunter California! Uh, but our, it's a lovely place. Uh, Such a lovely place. But we, uh, so our next, so our most recent episode is on Sam and Volume 1. And our next episode, which drops, let me give a date. Next Friday. Yeah, which is the. Is on Ocean at the End of the Lane. October, oh yeah, that's right. October 22nd. So but, our first episode in November is going to be uh, Neil Gaiman's Eternals. You know, I have never read that. Uh, I haven't either, but like, I'm super excited about it because it's Neil Gaiman and Jack Kirby. So I'm just in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I should read that. Uh, I should read that yeah. for when that episode drops. But yeah. Also, John Romita Jr., great stuff there. Especially with Danny Mickey inking his mm. pencils. John It's good stuff. John Romita Jr.'s gotta be doing the right subject matter. Like I saw I I haven't gotten to his full issues, but like I saw uh like promo pages of his <sighs> Superman stuff and it's like I don't think he should draw Superman. It's no, it might, that's one he shouldn't do. Yeah, it's my opinion he's too gritty. Just like there's a Yeah, like when he did those two issues of Tom King's Batman that looked good. Yeah. When he Kick does ass. Spider-Man, yeah. it looks good. I think for me, part of it is the kind of story. Because I actually really liked his work on Gene Lun Yang's Superman run in the New 52. Mm-hmm. But that was a depowered Superman, very street level, very different. It was very different from what from the, the, the Frank Miller oh. Superman Year One. Yeah. That came out. That's the one I always think of when I think John Romita Jr. and Superman is that one. Mm. Is it? I, I think Frank I, Miller will never be my reference point for anything. Yeah, true. Uh, I, I just Fair remembered, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, doesn't he, like, at one point in the, that Frank Miller Superman story, doesn't Superman fuck off to Atlantis and, like, live with his mermaid girlfriend for a while? He very well could. I have never read it. What was her name? Something Lamaris. It's Lamaris. it's it's one of the LLs. It does, yeah, yeah. Like it it. Yeah. She Lucy Lamaris. 
Maybe. That's not right. So how's Eternals? Yes. Eternals, yes. Let's talk about Eternals. Uh, which, incidentally, if you have been reading Jason Aaron's Avengers run and dig the Avengers of 1 million BC, this is an issue you might want to pickle up. Yeah. Pickle up. Wow, brain. <laughs> an issue you might want to pick up. I mean, it would, pick probably, up it would probably pair well with a pickle. I'm not a fan of pickles myself. But... I'm not either. Huh. I can't believe I'm in here with a bunch of pickle haters. Uh, but yeah, more so, for you. I am so, like I am a person who will get that jar out of the fridge and just start eating the pickle straight out of the jar, and then drink that pickle juice. My, my sweet dad, sweet juice. My dad keeps pickles around for uh, when he just gets horrible cramps and he limps to the fridge and then just chucks it. Oh no, my stepdad is the same way. Like my mom buys like bottles of pickle juice on mass for him because like when he work because like. We have six and a half acres of land, and he's the one who works on it. So, yeah. you know, he's got to have those those bottles. He like whenever he goes out, it's like I got my water, I've got an energy drink, and I've got pickle juice. Yeah, I have lived alone for eleven years, and not not once in that entire time has there been a single pickle in my refrigerator. I don't believe you. Uh, believe me, I this... hate them, and no one else eats my groceries. Uh, but my. So my thing with uh, this issue, what I've been kind of liking, because I read this week, I read this and the previous one, I believe, Thanos Rising. Um, so what they're kind of doing, the first arc of Eternals finished, issue one through six. I love this Eternals run yeah, so much. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's doing so great. So like the first run, the first uh, trade is like wrapped up, and they've just been kind of doing world building with one shots. Um, yeah, this one is really cool because it has it mainly centers on the two priest priestesses of uh kind of the two f- factions of Eternals like they're kind of uh Protestant and Catholic if you will I yeah guess. or 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 conservative and I mean maybe conservative and liberal is a weird weird dichotomy in terms of American politics to bring but. One who bel- one one who is more orthodox and one who is more reformed, let's say. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the and, old ways, the new ways. Yeah. Which the orthodox one? Um, oh, I'm blanking on her name right now. Ajak. Ajak. Yes. 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 Uh, Ajak is <laughs> by the end of the issue, uh, like like a lot of. Uh, uh, like a lot of people of faith uh, of a certain strain, doubles down and was like, "No, it is not the world. It is not me that is wrong. It is the world." And <laughs> I think she may be the next. Uh, I, I think that she may be the next antagonist in the uh, Eternals, or most definitely, like she's gonna appear in Avengers and just fight them. She has to. Yeah. And then Makari is the the new school mm-hmm. priestess. Yeah, where she's just like, we are now free. Like there is a new covenant. Because uh, because kind of the whole premise of this run is that they were created by uh, these space beings called the Celestials. Uh, they're space beings. If the name Celestial didn't let you know, uh, big big space beings. Yes. Um, like, nowhere is the head of a celestial. Yeah. 
Uh, well, and then also, the Avengers Mountain headquarters is the body of a is celestial. It, yeah. Yep. Which I love. So cool. The progenitor. Yes. Which, so it turns, so, the kind of premise of this run is, a long time ago, the progenitor fell to Earth. Uh, he was very sick, and like, all of the uh, super beings are kind of like from his pus and sickness. Yeah. Uh, that seeped into the earth. Yeah. They're um, basically a like immune reaction by Earth. This was actually yeah. like the whole first arc of Jason Aaron's Avengers. Yeah. So, like all that history comes straight from there. Yeah. So uh, it turns out that the reasons the Celestials were. I mean, the, the Celestials made the Eternals was like, okay, well, this sickness we've been trying to deal with, we can't really fight it. Like, so what we're going to do is just kind of um, leave Earth alone, leave these beings to protect the superhumans so that the superhumans then kind of evolve and create a cure for us. Yeah. And the cure has been made. So the The superhumans are the cure. Yeah, yeah. So the Celestials have now determined, like, okay, the cure has been made. Um We don't need you anymore, Eternals. And apparently they when they found this out, they then committed mass suicide. <laughs> yep. because uh, they're like, We have no purpose. Uh and so then Yikes. the and so then the machine, which is Earth, then woke them back up at the beginning of this current run. And Correct. things have happened. And they're kind of now properly dealing with uh, this this new world order for them. Uh, yeah. Since they can die, but they don't die. They get just knocked down, but they get up again. Yeah, never gonna keep them down. Never gonna keep them down. You just keep adding to my list, and I'm mad at you all. <laughs> it's so good. I adore Gillen's. Okay, Gillen's I mean, Eternal. Add it to my list eventually. I mean, I was going to because I mean, it's Kieran Gillen. Yeah, there is no better masterclass in unreliable omniscient narrator than this book. Yeah, because because yeah, because the narrator is Earth. The machine is the narrator, <laughs> and the machine becomes an unreliable narrator through events. Yeah. It's incredible. And gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's a sad rebeak, of course. And, well, this issue is Kazama with inks by Kazama and John oh, Livesay and colors by Matthew Wilson. Everyone go check out Teeny Howard and Kazama's Death's Head miniseries. Yes. So good. Yeah, so uh so like these books that are releasing right now, I guess you can consider like uh webisodes, you know, before the new season starts dropping. Yeah. Um Well they are they are context for what will happen in the second arc. Yeah. Which uh yeah, I mean like which is which you know, a lot of shit was revealed in that first one. Um which like I I knew the basic premise of Eternals and I feel like just the it's it's a it's a great introduction because they they're doing that new Marvel thing where it's just like there's two or three pages of just uh 
exposition in terms of like okay there's yep. yeah, or like or like it's diagrams <laughs> like, they let they let hickman go ham for one x-men book and now everybody <laughs> has a graphic designer on payroll exactly exactly and it's gorgeous yep all right we all know how fundamentally my brain is broken and sometimes i'll see words and have to sing them to a melody that makes no sense right uh-huh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have demons dun 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 uh scott snyder Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, Dave McCaig. Oh, this... I forgot who the letterer is. Tom Napolitano. Uh, Thank you. Oh, is this that uh, Comicsology original thing? Yes, we are. Yes. We are in the month of Scotttober, which is Comicsology is dropping what five, six different Scott Snyder series with different I, amazing creative teams. I, I hope this man don't burn himself out. Like, take take like take a weekend, Scott. <laughs> these are all books that he has been like trying to find the time to do while building the airplane of DC continuity in the air after Doomsday Clock fell apart. And now he has time to do creator own stuff again and is not letting any, any, any dust collect on himself. Yeah, it's, I mean, in terms of. Good for him. Yeah, he's just diving right in. Uh, we have demons i love i love this first issue see this is an example of uh, of so i know scott i know i feel like some people i'm not i'm honestly not sure who but i i feel i have a feeling that there are some people who might be uh might be adverse to uh snyder's writing and that he writes a lot of dialogue which i get uh like you know there's a there's a major there's like major exposition dump at the beginning of this issue yeah uh, he has been known to release like prose issues of things that i feel like have gotten that that response yeah i but here's the thing so i like how this is done and it actually kind of gets into something that that we're going to talk about later in a different thing but i'll go ahead and reference um see I'm a big fan of Tom King and Andy Kubert's Superman Up in the Sky. However, one of the 12 chapters, uh, it is, it does that thing where every page is a splash page and there's just di- like dialogue boxes from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And those bore me to no end. Whereas here, you have dialogue from top to bottom, but you have multiple panels and it actually feels like the story is moving forward there feels like there still feels like forward momentum with it this uses a very specific format that i have seen employed occasionally um notably probably the first instance i really remember of it as device was al ewing's rocket series about rocket Mm -hmm. raccoon Mm uh in which he used the same format where Maybe not 100% of book, of this issue is this way, but there are a number of pages that use a format that is basically narrower panic, panel layouts that are stacked, horizontal panels stacked down a vertical column, but then with wide gutters on the side to have dialogue, or a version of that is wide panels but with text balloons stacked down the side. Mm-hmm. But this sort of like, read some words, look to your right, read, read some words, look to your right, and you're kind of getting the story in the picture and the story in the picture. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And it cannot work, but I feel that Snyder and Capullo really make it work here. Yeah. I love, I, I love the concept here. I love the lore that they're setting up. 
and the action that they're doing here is great. I love Lamb. She is a great character right off the bat. Let's uh, talk about Gus, this world. Gus is amazing. Gus is I love Gus's design. Uh, Let's so talk about this world and what this book is. Uh, so essentially, uh the lore is uh there like when existence came into being, there were two entities uh that that like their names boiled down to was it Halo and uh what was the the dark one like made of dark matter yes i forget they're both they're both h and i and i'm blinking up so i'll just say the light and the dark so, all i remember is there are two elements associated one is the lightest lighter than hydrogen it is element zero and the other is somewhere in the 600s and the only thing i could think about was it is, you know, you know, you know, JD, you know, you know what its number is, right? We don't need to know anything else to know what its number is. You know what its number is. Six! Six, six! That's the, the number one. of the beast! It has to be that. There's no way it's not that, right? Right. Uh, it's just, quick question. So, with this comicsology uh, first thing, are they ever releasing that in a physical form? So yes, what they, they what they typically do is they release trades or graphic novels, depending on how ongoing it is. It's either a single graphic novel or they'll do a series of trades. But yeah, they put them out in collected form. Like I've got a copy of Afterlift sitting out. Dark Horse usually publishes. Okay, yeah. I just looked it up. It's Halo and Horn. Horn. That's because right, devils have horns. Yes. So anyway, so ha- Halo and Horn. Uh, they essentially are. Uh, like Halo is like the create like like uh burrowed into the, the two burrowed into into the planet Earth where life began to spring spring up and and grow and evolve and Halo is like you know like it, it's it's the good stuff that you know it's like the happiness and 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 you know the togetherness of 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 the community but uh Horn burrowed into a a species of human. Uh, that is known as the doomed man and essentially they became demons and halo uh these like it has like chose warriors who forge swords and they're known as the the thousand swords and they fight demons and now at this point in time there are of the thousand there are nine left and one of the nine was our main character's father, Lamb, who was also a essentially like a Baptist preacher in a in a small little uh, southern town, and an artificer. Like he he tinkered and built things too. Yeah, and like he like he's he was friends with the local college, and like like because uh, Lamb mentions that like one of her earliest memories was her father chopping her arm off, but it was because uh, she got bit by a copperhead and by the time he found her uh uh, her most of her arm was rotted away so he had to in order to save her yeah and then he worked with the local college to build her a mechanical arm and every year he would get her a new one that was updated more and more and eventually she grew apart from him because like one evening she hears an argument with someone and uh so she goes starts snooping and uh she like she knows he takes trips and she thinks it's for church but then when she opens up the his appointment book every time he's gone it just says in all caps hell and 
Then she starts finding chains, literal chains in his luggage. Hey, she you know what? Finding... You know what, though? What that? Kids love chains. Kids love chains. That is very true. Everyone buy the t-shirt that says, kids love chains, please. Don't let me be the only one. Also, crossover. Read crossover. It's great. Yeah, crossover is amazing. Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw for life. Uh, and, like, she starts, like, finding bloody clothes, and she tries to confront him. And after the confrontation, they grow apart, and she goes to school, like, she goes off to college, and she tries dating, and she tries, and she, but she gets more into academia, and then she gets a call one night, her dad is dead. And she goes to the service, uh, after the service is over, she's left in the church, and out of anger, she hits the taxidermied copperhead that her father hunted down and, and like, kept in the church. And it opens a secret doorway. And then she finds out everything that we've been told at the beginning of this issue by her stepmother. And uh, what killed her father were this, these demons that are masquerading as this lovely couple who are expecting a child and taking care of this elderly woman in her home. And it turns out they're all demons. And then who shows up to save her but a demon named Gus who was her father's partner. Yeah. Uh, and he gives her a new mechanical arm and it's, and, and, uh, it's, it's great. And like one of my favorite little things that like the father did was like, uh, his saying was, uh, like give, like, I think it was like, give the devil the finger. And he raises the middle finger because like, the, like he's like, uh, that was the finger that she got bit on by the copperhead. And it's also the longest finger on the hand. Therefore it's the closest to God. Hmm. And, uh, so whenever she takes the mechanical arm, she just, puts up her middle finger, and then a giant spike pops out of it. Look, Scott Snyder is doing all the action horror weird shit that I want, <laughs> and it's being penciled by Greg Capullo and inked by Jonathan Glapion. Listen, Greg, Greg, Capullo, uh, Greg Capullo has uh, big shoes to fill in terms of the best old lady demon fight I have seen. Ooh, ooh can I guess, can I guess, can I guess? Sure. Is it Once in Future? Oh no, there was that one in there. No, I was thinking of uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, <laughs> uh, they bring the old lady back from Evil Dead Two, I think it is. Uh, but they, of course, have like modern prosthetics. As money as old, as money as old. Yeah, swallowed this. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like, there's, <laughs> yeah, so they bring her back in, in Ash versus Evil Dead at one point, and he fights her again it's great yeah no you don't really see uh you don't really see them fight the old lady demon she just pops out also the demons like to curse hmm. that is a major a major thing with them is like it's it's mentioned like the demons like to curse a lot and they do in fact when like little baby demons show up each one's like fuck shit cock you know what i was thinking old lady versus demon not demon who is old lady yes. that's on me um yeah. hey I mean, here's the thing yes, you are correct Best old lady versus demon. Once in future. Most definitely once in future. Uh, here's the thing I want to point out. We we talk plenty about how Scott Snyder writes from his anxieties, which is why he writes so much horror. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a thing he does in this book uh, in his narration where he's like, yeah, this is a fall of mankind story. And then later on, he's like, yeah, in this fall of mankind story, this is what happens. And all I can think is, man, one, what does it say about 
just are times that he has to specify this one because his anxieties are so bad that, and here's thing too, this is not the only Fall of Mankind story he's writing right now, so it's this kind of tongue-in-cheek, yeah. yeah, I know, I'm doing more than one of these thing in his own narration, because yeah. he's also doing Noctur- Noctera. Yeah. Noctera, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, which actually, I'm up to issue four or five on that one. That is, uh... I had to, I had to catch up. I'm, I've, I've still only read the first issue, but I've got everything to catch up. It's... I am. I've got my list over it. here of everything to catch up on. Yeah. It's, it's a long fun. list. I may switch to trade for it, just to control my pull list, but it's yeah. so good. Uh, I'm... So... And, of course, you're the host of the show, but speaking of digital firsts, uh... Yeah? Eat Bang Kill Tour... I will let you segue. I will allow it. That's not the one I was going to go to next, but do it. Uh, yeah. Yes, Eat Bang Kill Tour number three. So, I know this is the second. Written by T. Franklin, art by Max Saren. I'm not sure about color and uh, lettering Hmm. off the top of my head. Uh, so this is the second week in a row that we've covered Harley Quinn. Or, like, or I've brought Harley Quinn to the table. Um... So this one's, yeah, one of DC's digital first on their uh, DC Infinite uh, one, but issue one is out in physical form, and I th- issue two- Issue two comes out this yeah, week. Yeah, you said it's coming out this week. Um, so one thing I forgot to mention last week was in that issue of the regular, bo- of the main book, um, Harley Quinn mentions her uh, Jewish mother. So, and I was just like, it clicked so much for me where it's like, oh, this makes so much sense that she's from, like, this non-practicing Jewish family from Jersey. It's just like, that, that, that list of things, it is like, yes, that is what makes a Harley Quinn. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because we we were talking about this before the, the, we started recording. And I actually looked up to see, like, what is the history on, on... Harley Quinn's heritage. And there's this article that DC published literally in the last week as we're recording uh, about going all the way back to Arlene Sorkin, the original voice actor for Harley Quinn, like her influence as a person on the character and how her heritage as a Jewish person influenced Harley Quinn, like subtly in that direction. And then explicitly in like line delivery and some of the jokes that were written in and like a little bit of use of Yiddish. Uh, and then talking about how into the Connor Palmiotti run, they both leaned into it and drew upon people they grew up with who were Jewish. And then in Sam Humphrey's run, making it explicit, the TV show making it explicit uh, that Harley Quinn is Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, on this, colors by Marisa Louise and letters by Taylor Esposito. Thank you. Uh, but How to get that in there. So, but this... Uh... What I really like about this issue is uh, Harley everything. and I mean uh, yeah everything, but Harley and Ivy are are still very much um, trying to calm down their insecurities that are going eventually somehow to damage their relationship, or it's or that it's trying to damage their relationship. Like uh, they stop at a rest stop and. Ivy's just like, Harley, just pee and grab a Twinkie. Just like, that's it. <laughs> uh, and Harley's like, I say, okay, yes, fine. 
And yeah, that's all Harley does is just she goes into the bathroom and then these two Karens are like, Harley's doing nothing. She just she's just walking around. And they're like, and we don't like that, so yeah. we're gonna call the police. Maybe we should say that she's kidnapped, you know, like robbing the place. Yeah, like no, no, specifically that she's kidnapped or she's holding hostage the yeah. the uh, oh the, the gas station. And Harley's like, I'm yeah, yeah. no, and she, you can't. No, we're not doing that. In fact, if you're gonna say I'm gonna do that, I might as well just do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I might as well beat just the shit two. out of you. Uh, and then Ivy shows up, and it's like I, you know, like Harley, like what, like you know. And she's just like, listen, I didn't do anything, like, legitimately. Uh, yeah. And, said, and then Nightwing shows up, and <laughs> uh, like, the fact that they keep, that both Harley and Dick keep commenting on how great his ass is. And, like, she calls him Nightbutt. The way, the way it's wing. originally, the way it's first drawn, because, like, he's at the gym, and, like, he gets the call from Bruce, so, like, it's, they show him pulling up his uh his nightwing pants tights yeah his nightwing tights and it's just this his tidy 90s yeah it's just this perfect Mm -hmm. bubble ass just like you could like bounce a quarter off of it uh look we all know dick grayson has the greatest ass not just in the dc universe but just in all of comics it's i thought you were gonna say in any universe in any universe in literally interviews in 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 every universe in all comics uh, and and every universe ever created, Dick Grayson has the best ass. I mean, look, we we are all familiar with the concept of the platonic ideal, right? Yeah. That there is, you can say chair, and everyone will picture a chair, and a chair that exists in the world exhibits the the quality of chairness, uh-huh. but is once removed from the platonic ideal, the the core concept of chair. Yeah. <laughs> and a photo of a chair would be twice removed. It's a copy of a copy, or a simulacrum of a simulacrum. Dick Grayson's ass is, in fact, the platonic ideal of an ass. It, <laughs> it is the one exception. It is. In any universe, the platonic ideal. It's, like, it's what yeah. we want. It, uh, I, and, and and I also, I love the, I, I, I love the way that Gordon is written in the show and now in this series by T. Franklin. T. Franklin does <laughs> such a great job writing Gordon. Mm. And just, he is unhinged. Like, the, he is the embodiment of everything we hate about cops. He is the embodiment. He is just in, like well, in this dogged pursuit to put Harley Quinn away for just trying to live her freaking life. It's, Unless like she's not like yes, she is like breaking multiple laws, but like she is trying to do better. Well, it was so Gordon. How about you just like get off her case? Well, specifically in this. Oh yeah, and he, also he wants to like be held up as as this hero, and the only way that he can be is. Gotham has to be reunited with the United States, and the only way to do that is to bring Harley Quinn to justice. Yeah, so, like, that's that's his main motivation. Quote, unquote. That's his justice. main motivation, because otherwise, like, season one, uh, season one Gordon is just this... Just a sad yeah, sack. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's just, like, this middle-aged crisis, like, middle management uh, of just, like, I'm as high as I'm gonna go in work... Uh, I was once good at it, but now I'm skating by. My family doesn't really love me anymore. Uh, and the only- My daughter's now out as a vigilante. Yeah, is, uh, and he doesn't- Who shows up here and confronts him. Yeah, yeah. Well, is he, I forget where he figured that out, because 
It was in season two because she didn't actually start being Batgirl until season two. Yeah. It was, I think it was episode two when she started because like she was yeah, like. Because that's when they went to college. Uh, but they, there's still a, there was still a time when he didn't know. Maybe it was the I, it was two It finale. was probably halfway through season two when he finally found out. Yeah. But. Because he's such a bad cop. Uh, But I do. I mean, all cops are bad, but. Yeah. I, yeah but it's just, I. Yeah, like, everyone's tried. And, like, Dick Grayson's, he was like, hey, Gordon, Bat you're... Batman told me to just, like, say what the hell to you. Like. And Gordon's like, wait, Batman, Batman called you? Yeah, he's like, Batman, about me. <laughs> Batman's concerned about me. And then, and then that immediately, like, like leaves his mind. He's like, no, never mind. That doesn't matter. I have to be held up as a hero by the pe- by, by the president. Mm. And that's stupid. Uh, and then, but also, I want to briefly mention Rain. Uh, who works at this fast food joint that Harley and Ivy stop at. <laughs> she's the one who gets them out the back. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you know, we got it, like, you know, like, us queer folk got to stick together. Yeah, yeah. She's like... It, and, you know, like, you know, like, here, get back to the parking lot this way. Yeah. You know, and look, there's a lot of people who are out here, you know, supporting you because y'all just trying to live your life. And I'm just like, fuck yeah. Rain is great. Yeah. Rain is G- great. Gives, uh, I want more of this series. Gives, gives, well, probably so, because, like, we, she gives him, them, uh, her, like, address, like, listen, you need a place to stay. And, oh, yeah. And an entire it. panel is devoted showing Ivy putting that into her pocket. Oh, yeah. That's going to come back. I bet it, like, either the next issue or, or issue five, it's going to come back. Um, also, I want to briefly cover Selena. Where Selena's you sent so good. you sent the best summary <laughs> of that in the Discord. Look, uh, I want to say I want to say what I what I sent in the Discord. I found it on Twitter, uh, and it was retweeted. I believe it was either by retweeted by uh, T Franklin or Max Saren, one of the, the the writer and artist. One of them retweeted this, and it was um, everyone remembers the, the Vine. It was like, uh, like. The woman, the person's like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" Like the dog's like, Arr! Arr! "Get your fucking dog, bitch!" Oh, it don't bite. Yes, it do. But it's that. But it's with s- between Selena and Harley and Ivy and the hyenas. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Whoever animated that, I'm sorry, I don't remember who who you are on Twitter. Um, but like, you're the best. In fact, I'll pull it. I mean, I can pull it up real quick because I wanna, I wanna like shout you out because like what you did was just. It was uh, at Peppermint Illus, uh, Peppermint Illustration on Twitter, at Peppermint Illus. Yes, uh, you are, you're wonderful, and 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 please go follow them and and and, and give them the love, give them the love they deserve for that. Uh, I'm just impressed great. by how quickly you found that. I have, I did not edit anything out there. <laughs> you just had that ready to go. Well, I just had to open up Discord. I was already there, yeah. and then boom, it was like I didn't even have to scroll. It was right there. It was like. Boom. Yeah, it's uh, it was it, like it it, it it was Providence, you know. Yeah, it's but that yeah, but Selena uh is babysitting the hyenas, which also I love. So it's like, so of course the hyenas are. And like her house fucking... is gone now too. I mean, she has to have another like backup apartment somewhere. Uh, she probably does, but also I love. Uh, oh, we're speaking of like, uh, people being like, wait, Batman's Batman's talking about me. Uh, where <laughs> where ba- uh, Batman shows up. And uh, at at Selena's apartment because shenanigans happen, they got a bolt, and they're like, they're like, yeah, Batman's here, we gotta go. And Selena's, like, oh, and Selena's just Batman's like, here? yeah, yeah. How do I look? <laughs> yeah. 
By the way, that happens in issue two. That happens before this issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because oh, yeah, issue yeah, yeah. three is mostly dedicated to to what we've already mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. Plus, yeah. uh, the cold open with Hush, who like <laughs> yeah. breaks up Harley and Ivy's D- dinner date yeah. because he wants to try and he's trying to like aggressively, and I mean aggressively, hit on Harley, like putting his arm around her and everything. And Harley's like, um, excuse me, I'm here with my girlfriend, so walk your happy ass out of here and then he gets angry so then there's a giant fight and the, the, carmine yeah. falcone just shows up and he's like i'm gonna like i'm sorry this happened to you yeah, harley yeah. and ivy Hush, yeah Hush i'm gonna is, pay Hush for this damage kind of and i'm gonna buy out a carnival for you yeah uh which they then kidnapped hush and they just continually <sighs> smack him in the balls for for entertainment at the carnival <laughs> Yes, and then go on a carnival and just like go on the carnival f- uh, like just fast enough to where he where like he's strapped up and he just keeps throwing up. It's it's great. It's great. I love it. This is a great series and if you and if you are a fan of the Harley Quinn series, uh please check out this comic. It's it's so wonderful. It's it's going to be a six issue series. I I, I love it. Yeah. It's great. And now we move on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Arkham City, the Order of the World number 1. Reuniting the coffin-bound creative team of Dan Waters and Danny, with colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Abidakar. My 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 one of my secrets of finding good comics is look to the letter letterers, and if Aditya Bidakar or Hassan Atmanelhau or certain other letterers are on a book, you know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I just this did, is so good i just did the calculations we're an hour we're about an hour in we're only halfway through these these yes i know yes <laughs> i know speak I, for the rest we can do it i, believe I don't us. i don't believe you uh <laughs> okay so i don't believe you i'm either. i'm going to uh i'm gonna take point on this one please do so i, I up on it one i adore this book this book is fantastic this mm-hmm. Danny is one of my favorite artists working right now. So good. Uh, she also did the Miracle Molly one shot that came out a couple of weeks ago that I, I read this week too, getting caught up on Batman stuff. And that book, that issue, I think deserves an Eisner as like best single issue art. It is. Um, I will also back up Coffinbound. Coffinbound is fantastic. Everyone check it out. Yes. Although uh, I didn't finish it. Uh, is it, is it, over or is it uh as, simple? as far as i know for now it is eight issues okay so the premise of arkham city the order of the world after a day the joker supposedly's attack on arkham that killed a bunch of inmates and a bunch of broke out there are various arkham inmates running loose and dr jacosta joy is trying to round up the patients she worked with, starting with Ratcatcher, who one so of the things creepy. this so book creepy. this book balances horror vibes with like mystery structure mm-hmm. and a sense of humor in a way that is so so carefully controlled, but always works like perfectly. This is Dan Waters is a damn good writer. Well, and like just Danny pulp stuff. As a side note, uh, oh shoot, what was that book called? There was a uh, Hill House book that Danny did with oh. Carmen Maria Machado that I actually yes. love. I oh, absolutely I, adore. 
I know which one you're talking about. I'm going to look it up real quick. And because... I am blanking on the title. Yes, thank you. I'll keep talking about this one. So, Jocasta Joy tracks down Ratcatcher in just a scene that is funnier than a scene that That's Dark should be. Um, but is, and it works. And then the, the sort of cop who she's working with uh, helps her get into Arkham to collect her files. And we get sort of the, the wide view of who she's looking for. There's Professor Pig. There's the Mad Hatter. There is... One uh, called the Ten-Eyed Man, who we get a bit more uh, panel time with. As, yes. As much as Professor Pig is referenced, I don't feel like he's really had a central story since his first one, has he? I mean, I think that's pretty true. I will say this about Professor Pig. There is no Batman character who creeps me out more at a foundational level. I don't know what it is about him, but, like, truly, any time I see that he's in a book, I think twice and think, do I really want to read this? And because this one has horror vibes, like, I'm fine with it. It's Um, like, we know, we, we, like, you, you know, like, you know the assignment going in. Yeah. Um... And he only shows up for a page, so, you know. Yeah. And uh, The comic you're thinking it... of is The Lolo Woods. Thank you. Yes, I adore also, that Also, colored by Tamara Bond villain. Yep. Literal god. So, the Tin-Eyed Man is off, like, hunting down stuff for a ritual of some sort to protect protect the Arkham escapees, or at least himself. Meanwhile, the Arkham escapees are being hunted not only by Jocasta Joy, but by maybe the ghost of Amadeus Arkham. And also definitely by someone in a bunch of big capes and, like, sweepy scarf things and a giant flaming sword. You know, Asriel. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, and uh, and I, 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 did tw- I did reply to Dan Waters and say, swords, we love swords. And then he replied to me and I was like, wait, you're not supposed to know I exist. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh I I will say also like I feel like there needs to be more references to like Amadeus Arkham's ghost cuz the yes, the uh in the the Arkham games, the video games, the in the first one, the scanning of the to to get like the little tidbits of his story. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah, like he should like <laughs> His I mean, also check out whatever. the Grant Morrison, Dave McKean graphic novel, Arkham Asylum. The Ten-Eyed Man is a really great character design, too. Oh my god, um, so creepy. Little bit, little bit like Upside Down Man vibes. Mm-hmm. But also just, he's got eyes on each of his fingers, and each eye has a different power. And like, at first you kind of think maybe he's just trying to get into your head and lying about what these eyes do. Then they find him, his victim missing his jawbone. The skin around it is intact. He has, like, phased the jawbone out through his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, like, there's little blood. Like, there's, like, n- like, little to no blood. And it seems that there was no struggle. Oh, it's creepy. Yeah. It's also creepy. <laughs> I, I'm just so here for it. I, I love everything about this book. It is incredible. And, I mean... <sighs> It is one of those, it is clearly a DC book and steeped in this world and its lore, but it has the sensibilities of a creator-owned title. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, aesthetically, narratively, structurally, it feels 
of a different world, but also in this world. I I, I love books that manage to thread that needle. Well, I feel Absolutely. I, I feel like that's why. Um... I mean, since I haven't read this particular issue, but I feel like that's why Tom Taylor's work has been such a smash. Mm-hmm. Is because they, it's 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 that vibe that you're describing. It's like it is these, it is this world, but has the creator's own sensibilities. Like, uh, I don't want to use the term fan fiction because of how loaded that term has become. But uh, yeah, the the yeah creator own in terms of like yeah if, if uh you know like I if mean Shigalim both Su- Tom Taylor and Donny Cates have talked about how essentially what they're doing now with their with their work at Marvel and DC is fan fiction for them. I feel like Dan Slott has has talked about that too. Like all work for hire is at some level fan fiction. Yeah, yeah like Donny Cates talked about like how a lot of the stuff that he thought about when he when he was a kid about Venom is like, I got to make that lore. So he's like, I got to make fan, my fan fiction about Venom canon because I Tom King's, had to write the character. Tom King's Batman story, he talked about this early on, is literally like an idea he had playing with action figures as a kid. Yeah. 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 Uh, Arkham City, Order of the World, go read it. Crush and Lobo, number five. Woo! Mariko Tamaki! Okay, so y'all's goal is when this is hits trade pit, pitch me on picking this up from, from okay 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 i can do this i can do this please do it crush rather than working through her emotions talking to her girlfriend or getting therapy mm-hmm. decides instead to go on an interstellar trip to confront and then ultimately track down and throw back in jail her father lobo and also cracks jokes and breaks the fourth wall the entire time you know as you do that's you know every every girl's got to go through that stage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. space lizards love her space lizards do love her and they're so cute and did she's I... got a and she winds up getting a great space car too did i did i succeed did i do it are you gonna go the tr- go get the trade? Uh, I you're gonna get yeah. the trade. Uh, yeah, Angela, no, you're see. gonna get. I will make sure. Yeah. Uh, look, Angela, if I have to, I will make a trip up to. I will make a trip to Georgia and also see Alex and Meg because that's what you do. And then I'll go find you, Angela, and I will put a copy of Crushing Lobo in your hands. Also, it's gorgeous. Was that aggressive? Yes. Do I mean it all? Yes. Fair enough aggressively the, passing on my love of comics to people <laughs> the sense of humor in this book is truly what makes it for me and it was i talked about this with the first issue with brian like i do not think of mariko tamaki as necessarily the funniest writer a lot yeah. of her work that i've picked up has been i think of like x23 which actually is one of those books that i picked up on this is super well written and well executed but is just intense in a way that like i'm not always looking for the -hmm. same way i feel the same way about the current iron man book right like there are lots of books i'm like no this is great i just this is not the headspace i'm in right now yeah and that's kind of the space where i'm used to finding her work or something like detective comics that's a little more like serious but but not necessarily focused on that kind of intense 
like yeah, it, anxiety. It's serious, but still fun storytelling. This is like actively funny in a way that surprised me and that I really dig. Rarely do do like modern superhero comics actually get me to laugh out loud. This one actually gets me to laugh out loud. Yeah. Especially when the space lizards show up. Um, I I don't know that I've got a whole lot more to say about this particular issue. Yeah, so if it's you good. if you've got Everyone it, check it out. It's yeah. it's fun. You know, we got three issues left coming out, and so I'm assuming it's going to be coming to trade within like the next six months. Yeah. Okay. Gavel, gavel. Next book: Justice League Infinity, number four. I love going back into the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited universe. Uh, I, I'm so I, happy about this. Uh, I will second that. Uh, as well as kind of, this is probably the first time I've seen the core concept, the the core queer concept of the Martians uh, put so up front on display. Because it, well, in terms of this series and, and this issue, he, he uh, John Jones comes out of it and becomes John Jones again and everything. But he's been living as an Indian woman for since we saw him leave uh, the show. Right, right. Um, and, like, even had, like, uh, a kind of a kind of possibly romantic interest with this uh, with this Indian man he met. Because um, he's presenting himself as an older woman. He's a little bit of an older man. Of course, like, because I think, I don't know if they ever state it in the show, but, like, in the comics, like, John Jones is, like, several hundred years old, ain't he? Even he beyond. is quite old. I mean, he's already yeah. old. He's already pretty old on his planet. And then after he, you know, like, was taken off Mars, like, kidnapped off of Mars, he was on Earth, like, in a deep, dark pit for several years. Yeah. Uh so it's so. yeah, so like it's he's very much uh yeah, cuz John Jones like is is living that way but then like gets finally accepts the call to adventure in terms of what's going on uh mm-hmm. and and leaves um and and sheds that and immediately morphs into uh but yeah, so I I kind of I wouldn't say it's explored that much, but it's. I don't think everything needs to be. It's. It's there. Yeah, John, and like. Yeah. I I love how this like how this issue progresses, where uh like we're left with the cliffhanger at the end of three, where uh Wonder Woman she gets so like the thing about where the story is get how the story is going is that uh people are like blipping in and out of existence in their own universe and getting like going into another universe across the multiverse Mm. so wonder woman like blips out of the universe she's in and goes to another universe where in that universe uh dark side and wonder woman fell in love and due to his dogged pursuit of the anti-life equation it it like gained sentience killed wonder woman then killed the entire universe came back to apocalypse destroyed the entire planet and then left dark side to just be left alone in uh, and like torture him psychologically for all of eternity. Yeah, which he, he makes the comment several thousand years he's been alone. Yeah, and then Wonder Woman shows up. She's just like, "Ew, what? No, 
I would never do that. Yeah. And then but <laughs> and then by the end of the issue she's just like, "Oh, like he actually did like this is like this is not the dark side that I know. This is not my dark side. This is a completely different dark side who, you know, actually changed and grew as as a person." Yeah. It's I am having to resist so hard having a question about the omniverse asking a question about the omniverse and the implications that this has on that given what we know through through multiversity and other books about the structure of the multiverse and mm. how apocalypse and new genesis fit into it and i really want to ask that but we're already at an hour and a half yeah yeah we don't need to do that um it's great uh this story is also named after a miss marple story so i love that yeah yeah it's i love it yeah i i do i do love the um the one issue work they do on uh on this alternate dark side it is very good um just like Diana at the end by the end of the issue you yeah you do like kind of mourn this dark side when he dies at the end of the issue um as as Diana states i mourn not a monster but a man um yeah and also to get the credits in uh really quick the uh Written by J.M.D. Mateus and James Tucker, art by Ethan Beavers, color by Nick Filardi, and letters by Tom Napolitano, I believe is how you pronounce the name. Yeah, uh, it's great. It's great to have a J.M.D. Mateus book that's not like super dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he does he does dark very well. This is just like a fun romp across the multiverse with uh, a Justice League that I am very fond of. Yeah. The Nice House on the Lake, number five, written by James Tynan IV, art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by And World Design. I feel like every couple of issues I have to question, what is this book's genre really? Like it's it was horror. horror. It is straight up horror. It is horror. But sometimes sometimes it's mystery, and sometimes it's character study, and sometimes it's drama, and sometimes it's end of the world, fall of mankind story. It's kind of everything, but I feel like horror is like the one that like it pushes hard into. It leans hard into. It's a murder mystery. It's a murder, not a murder mystery. It's like it's a horror mystery or a locked room mystery. Maybe this book raises the question: Is it a locked room mystery? It could be. It very well could be. Uh, This is great. I'm. I'm. I finally caught up with this series. I'm. I'm so glad I did. Um, I love like I love the monologues that each issue opens up with with like with like each one of the characters is like monologuing about how they know how, like how, like their connection with uh Walter who's like the who's like kind of like he's the linchpin between all of the characters that we know and like I love I love like the so I love this opening monologue by Bonnie and uh and, like her connection was through dating Nora when they were all in high school uh and like coming off and like we then get back into the story of like after the revelation the fact that no one can die and so that like, they're just stuck here in this house on the lake they can't die and they have a limitless supply um limitless limitless food and supplies it's like so what do we do well i guess we just gotta lay bare everything we know about this place and so they know so then everyone knows about the hidden you know room with all of the guns and weapons uh they finally know about the other house on the island or wherever they are on the on the on lake. the lake yeah i don't know why i said island the other house on the lake and they had to figure out well like what are we going to do with that information and then they open and then they finally are able to open the house up in a in a weird you know 
creepy way because this is a James Tynan horror book. Uh, and then we find out that, that the husband of one of the people there uh, was trapped in there the whole time, which we kind of, which was already hinted at in a previous issue. And we finally got the confirmation here. He gets out and he's like, okay, cool. There's still time left to save the world. And we're like, we have one more issue in this art and in, in this part of the story before there's a giant break. Yeah. Is, well, Where's I, this going? So I'm, so I am not, um, caught up quite yet, uh, with it, but in terms of like, you're listening, like all these, I think like all of those things are sub genres of horror or like a mystery can have horror elements. Like, and I f- feel like the best uh, best types of these stories all kind of have as much elements as they can juggle. A- oh, yeah. And, to be clear, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not describing this as a weakness of oh, the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It is, I think, part of the fun of it. Yeah, yeah. It's – well, yeah, no – yeah, so the, it's – I'm agreeing with you, uh, yeah. essentially, where I was like – yeah, horror, horror is such a weird thing. Like, uh, this weekend, I just watched The Descent for the first time. Um, so good. And <laughs> only about the last, like, 20 minutes do the creatures show up. And you're just kind of like, this has already been a really tense, scary movie. Like, why, why are these things And now monsters up? show up. Yeah. In the dark. Um, yeah, so it's, it's. Yeah, it's it's a yeah the best horror can go in really weird places, and I have only read the first two issues, and I can yeah I can already tell like oh yeah this is just going wherever the hell he wants to take us. Yeah. Yeah. While we are in horror mode, sort of mm-hmm. the swamp thing number yes. eight. Uh, two issues left, uh, and then we get volume two. Yeah, yes. it's I well, written by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins, letters or a color by Mike Spicer, and letters by what do you know? Aditya Bidikar. Aditya Bidikar. Uh, I really like this issue because the next two are gonna get absolutely bonkers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm. We finally got the answer to what the fuck is wrong with the green, which it turns out is Swamp Thing's brother. Uh, that's yes! that's like laid a kind of secondary claim to the green. Uh, and so like that's he's like a new kind of avatar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like he's. I think he's mad that Levi is the avatar of the green. He's like, you didn't care about the green. So why did the green get to choose you? So instead I did a ritual and I'm going to be the avatar of the green. Screw you. Yeah. Well, and then it's also established that the way the avatar is chosen is, uh, just through trauma. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, all right, you've had, you know, you Which, having got read your Alan father Moore's Swamp shot Thing, killed makes sense. because you were fucking around with your heritage and sold it to these assholes. You're, you're uh, it's like, uh, what is that? Uh, that TikTok's like, you're my, you're my friend now. I said, like, that's just the great. It's just like, they're the cold and wet. And just like, <laughs> you're my friend oh. now. And, <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, so like that. 
Uh, I'm going to assume, yeah, that confrontation is going to happen over the next two issues since now that we and uh, him know what's going on. We have lost JD. JD has returned. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, it, it that is was now... JD's impersonation of a boomerang. There you go. <laughs> um, back at it again. Yeah, it's now raining really hard here, so if you can hear that. Uh, yeah. Oh, yikes. I, I kind of yeah. cut for a second. Yeah. So I, I, I missed what, what was said after I stopped talking. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's fine. You'll catch up when you listen. Yeah. I will. Yeah, there's an ideological difference, too, between the two. Whereas Levi is kind of the traditional, the swamp thing and green hopefully eventually will show mankind the error of their ways and bring mankind what? to a more peaceful coexistence. His brother's like, no, mankind's the problem. We will end them. Yeah. Well, and then, Yeah, and, and it's like... Well, and then that's also what I kind of like the... I That's what I kind of like the ideological confrontation, like you said, that's being kind of laid out, is, mm-hmm. yeah, it is showing or kind of stating... That what we've what we have been seeing is yeah like the green. Uh, is so it, it. I also this weekend watched uh Dave Chappelle's new special, which boiled boy howdy yeah bo- boiled boiled yeah uh odd segue but I'm bringing it around um boiled down his last his entire uh special is building up to his statement of um, I don't need you to understand I just need you to uh, know that I'm having a human experience where it's like there's a difference between respecting someone's humanity and respecting their um, and and truly knowing like their experience which like that is unknowable in terms of what a true fundamental level like everyone which is kind of wild given you know the rampant transphobia in it uh well it's yeah that's like i said that's a that's a different conversation but in terms of that thesis uh i very much agree with and yeah there's aspects that i don't agree with yeah but i just i didn't want to walk past it without acknowledging those aspects because i think they are also important to be aware of yes um but yeah, so I feel like that's kind of what the green is uh, has kind of been doing throughout the entire series that we've seen him is like yeah, like uh, trying to show humanity like plants are living things too that like need to live and breathe and have room to grow, um, like yeah, you know and. And so I, and yeah, the, the other one's like, no, like the green, yeah, it, you know, does deserve to live and everything, but humanity just wants to murder everyone, so we're just going to kill them first. Well, and what's super interesting, and I had not thought about this until you said what you just said, if you look back at Rom V's Future State Swamp Thing book, that was a Swamp Thing who was surrounded by plant people who were like, made by Swamp Thing 
to be like people, but who he like constantly had to sort of reboot and tinker with and make closer and closer to people like but who lacked humanity. And this was a divide between them. They like resented him for wanting them to have humanity and he being still like having humanity in him mm. missed having that in them. So it was like this weird tension between like plants by themselves lack this this magical spark, this this something else that comes from humanity, but also like humanity clearly lacks something that it needs from the other side too in this this 10 issue series. Mm. Like I think seeing both sides of that coin is really interesting. Yeah. It's because like I know that there was a time for the character where it was like uh it was like oh like Alec Holland never existed you just think you've been Alec Holland <laughs> yeah um but i i think this ends up being um kind of better uh for the idea of the uh swamp thing yeah and i can't wait to see like we've got two issues left of of season 1 mm. I'm super curious to see what happens next in season two. Yeah. It's, I, I will read this book for as long as he writes yeah, it. Yeah, I, I doubt... He very clearly has has plans. Yes. JD's internet has uh, left him. Has, has gone has gone bye-bye. Uh, hopefully JD yes. will not be swept away. No, fingers crossed. In the meantime... Yeah. Well, let's see. You did not read The Me You Love in the Dark. I did not. Do you want me to try to sell you on this one? Uh, sure. So this is a five-issue miniseries uh, written by Scotty Young with art by Jorge Corona, colors by Jean-Francois Beaulieu, and letters by Nate Piekos. This is the, the halfway point for the series, in fact. It is about an artist who is struggling to find inspiration and decides she's going to rent the spookiest haunted house she can find. And does. And as it turns out, the spooky haunted house is in fact spooky and haunted. And the first issue kind of plays with that same sort of not knowing what the genre really is. And the second issue feels kind of uncomfortable. Like, she and this spirit sort of have a detente, and they're friendly, but also, like, it can go wherever in the house it wants, it can do whatever it wants, so, like, a lot of that issue is about the two of them setting boundaries, and, like, you ask the question, well, is it really honoring these boundaries? And it seems like maybe yes. In this issue, they kind of fall in love? It becomes spooky romance? Yeah. Between artist and eldritch creature ghost thing? Uh I I am constantly like surprised by where this book goes, but also always dig it. It's so strange, but fun. Uh and I, I really love Jorge Corona and Jean-Francois Beaulieu's work in here. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Like there's this page in this one that is uh, the main character in this room that is all dark except for these floating portraits hanging, not even hanging, just floating in space all around her. 
around this table with like a bottle of port or something on it for her to drink and a candle. It's just weird and almost uncomfortable. JD is back. Hey. I'm back. And if you hear my cat in the background, I'm sorry. She is not liking the storm. That's okay. Neither We're talk- am I because I have been kicked off twice. Yeah. <laughs> well, quickly, while you are here... <laughs> We're talking about the Me You Love in the Dark number three. Oh my god, I love this. This is the one I wanted to talk about the most. This is my favorite thing I've read. I love it so much. I love it so much. I love it so much. I'm so glad I got I got back in for this one. Yeah, well, it did let, let loose. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, the ending of this issue, I saw it coming a while <laughs> away. And yet, when I read it, uh, I was still surprised. I don't know why. But I was. And then five seconds after my surprise, I was like, JD, you dope. This was going to, this was going to happen. It's We've called had the this Me You Love in the for Dark. for a long time. Yeah, I mean, to what I was saying before you were able to rejoin, I feel like so much of what this book does well, though, is ride this line between, is it going to? Surely, surely this monster is going to take advantage of. Surely it's going to, like, cross the line and... The whole time it's not that so far. Like, it actually does play like a romance, despite it being, you know, human woman and eldritch horror. Yes, and straight up eldritch horror, especially after the end, the the final page of issue two, with all the eyes. Yep, the eyes have it. Listen, if uh, Dizzy's Beauty of the Beast can create an entire generation... Of furries and monster fuckers. Yeah, we got you know. There it is. There it is. I was debating whether or not I wanted to open that, open that bottle, open Look, that can of worms. Angela is the one who has made it canon in every show that Beauty and the Beast is Baby's first monster fucker movie. I mean, it yeah, is. that's it is. That's that's known. That's of course. It's unless I mean, okay, Angela's there... just the one who finally said it. Is it? Listen, all right, listeners. If you okay, if you Beauty and the Beast. If you haven't in a long time, look up a screen grab of human beast. Like especially like when he turns around and you'd be like, oh, like he's be- like he's weird looking. Oh it yeah, feels no, wrong. no, the Beast is definitely an upgrade. Beauty and the Beast is to monster fuckers as Robin Hood is to furries. <laughs> Oh, Words man. that I'm sure the internet has put together before, but I did not expect to when I woke up this morning. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should probably wrap up this episode pretty quick because the storm is not letting up. <laughs> also, because we're approaching the two hour mark. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Is it still good? There are three books here. Are you afraid of the dark side, JD? You said you had thoughts. Uh, mainly, my thought was about two of the particular. So, essentially, if you don't know what this is, it's essentially a a one shot that is the Teen Titans doing Are You Afraid of the Dark? That is, is that is the whole point of the story. Uh the story that uh my least favorite story is um the one. Oh, come on, we stay positive here. I know. I just want to mention it real quick as it, it like it, it 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 uh I brought it up earlier. It's the whole thing about full page splashes with uh text from top to bottom. It's the Wallace story about Phantom Stranger. It's it's not like cup of tea, but I feel like a lot of people would would still get enjoyment out of. My favorite is the last one uh, about Superman and Lois, uh, like going around Smallville, trying like helping to find two lost 
uh, sisters, and they come upon some uh, some creepy happenings, and but it but it ends up coming out positive. So it's a good thing. It's good. I I, I recommend people check this out. Cool. Uh, Batman number one fourteen. I know controversial opinion on this podcast. James Tynan's Batman is good. Uh, I mentioned catching up on Miracle Molly earlier. That was just like a gem in this run so far. Uh, and we get a lot of Molly in this issue, too. Molly kind of figures out maybe what Scarecrow's plan is. I, uh, I just I just want to make one comment. I like what I've seen of Miracle Molly. I'm not quite caught up on the bad books. Um, I, do, I do like her as a character and a concept. However, I feel like uh, her character design is going to age extremely poorly like a lot of the 90s cool designs did maybe not as badly but you're probably right but also i feel like her shtick definitely involves upgrades Mm -hmm. so you know maybe they find a way to work that in she definitely has this very like punk cyberpunk thing going such a floofy tail no, she's just she's not liking the storm. JD is now uh, Alex, JD is now comforting. Oh, oh, this is smoke, smoke. That's Alex. Hi, smoke. Last one, JD. Yes, the Defenders number three, a book my comic shop. Well, they received, but all their copies were damaged because apparently this was Penguin's first week shipping Marvel books, and they did not pick boxes that were good. Ooh. Oh yeah! Apparently, at my shop, I was there when I found out that uh, that that their order from Penguin just didn't have an invoice. Yeah, it was reason. like it was like Marvel had to publish a press release. Bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Defenders, on the other hand, good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, this one is uh narrated by uh by Harpy um or Doctor Betsy um, but Be- um Betty Ross Banner. It's it's good. We have a lot of magic going on. Uh, I believe her name is Tyen, the 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 mother of Galen, aka Galactus. She is awesome. I love her. Put her in more things, please. Uh, yes. So Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez uh, doing great work. Doing great, great work in this book. Is uh cool. is Betty Ross still Red She Hulk? Yeah, she is. Harpy. Well, she is the Red Harpy now, which was a thing that happened in Al Ewing's. Hulk run yeah yeah where basically like when she came came back got her powers back now her rage transform transforms her into a version of red she hulk that is monstrous and like a harpy yeah yeah she's got wings she's got feathers she's got fangs she's got creepy white eyes and she's awesome i love her this is kind of like spinning out of immortal hulk as well as marvel um uh, marvel comics 1000 so, I, I, but you, but honestly, you don't need that. Uh, this is like, I'm, I'm loving the defenders. Like this, this is just a, like a five issue series off on its own. I, I, and I'm, and I'm loving, I'm loving, I'm loving having Dr. Strange in, in, in small stuff where he's not, a, where he's not really a jerk. He's just, you know, yeah. not great sometimes at being the Sorcerer Supreme and screws up. So yeah. Uh, defenders number three, still good. This week's books. I have no new number ones on my list. I don't think this has ever happened. I have no new number ones out this week. So just going to shout out two things. The end of the second arc of a good contender for Panelology's favorite comic of 2021, Homesick Pilots. 
Hell yeah. So excited for that one. And the final issue of Grant Morrison's final for the foreseeable future, Big Two Work, Superman and the Authority, number four. Also excited for this one. I've I've only read the first issue of that, and yeah, um, I'm look I've, even though I've only read the first issue, <laughs> looking forward to the finale so I can binge it this upcoming weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also want to quickly shout out uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman 780. I'm excited for that one, and uh, we've already mentioned that the fact that it's going for three weeks now, uh, Spider-Man or Amazing Spider-Man number seventy-six. Yeah, very interested to see where that's going to go. Uh, that's one issue for each trombone in the big parade. Yeah, and uh, well, I guess not this week, but like I don't know. Uh, I'm not scheduled to be on anytime. Uh, it's scheduled to be on again yet. So as such, it, uh, this month, I'll say is I'm looking forward to uh, Hulk and Venom. Also, are getting new number ones this month. Yes. Yes. With great teams behind them. Yeah. Al Ewing and Rom V on Hulk. Yeah. And so just... Donny Cates and... Ryan Otley. Ryan Otley on... I'm sorry, on Venom. Donny Cates and Ryan Otley on Hulk. I know. Uh, like, the teasers they've been putting out for Hulk look so, so good. Hulk I in space! Uh, oh, yeah. Like, they, they already put out... They've, Marvel's already put out a teaser for Hulk number two. And the tagline for it is... Uh, Planet Hulk wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, that'll. Uh... Like, Did you read Donny the free Cates comic book day? Be... I'm sorry. Did you read the free comic book day? Teaser? No, I didn't get to any of the free comic book day oh. stuff. I was oh. not. Yeah, oh, uh-uh. yeah. Uh-uh. You're in for a treat. Okay. Look, when Donny Cates is put on a book, I'm always in for a treat. That's just a. It's like Tom Taylor gets put on a book. Kelly Thompson gets put on a book. It's like. I'm in, or Rom V gets put on a book. Like I'm in for a treat. I'm in for a treat, and that's how it works. And in terms of the new guard, yeah, those are probably the the highest batting averages. I would also throw in Teeny Howard, yes, Vita Ayala, Magdalene Visaggio, definitely. Um, Brandon Thomas, and John Ridley. John Ridley, like, who's been, like, quietly becoming, like, a, a comic superstar of late. Yeah, for real. Like, I mean, he's been writing comics for a long time, but he's mostly well-known for his film work. Um, and also his animation work, because he wrote an episode of Justice League, a very good episode of Justice League. I don't know that I realized that. He wrote the second part in the Star-Crossed finale. Oh, cool. Yeah, very good episode. So, yeah, John Ridley is great, and and he's, like been slowly making this come come back to comics and it's awesome i'm loving it well i have loved having you both here this week thank you so much thank you for having us where can folks find you and more of you uh well the show uh twitter which we still need to we got we still need to twitter the new episode but that's because uh angela's the one who usually yeah, Angela's locked out because uh, I, I have because I am not good at technology, and 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 we will fix that post haste. Yeah. Um. But the Twitter you can follow you can follow our show Fables and Reflections, uh, which is now a member of the Certain POV family. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at and Twitter and Instagram at F and R Pod. Uh, you can email us at uh, what's the email? What's our email address? FNRPod at gmail dot com. Uh. Yeah. Well, it is. Uh. If you wanna. If you want to email us and just shoot us questions or just tell us we're doing good. 
we appreciate uh, uh, all the compliments in the world. Yeah, because so. uh, Angela deserves them. <laughs> Me, I'm not up for debate. Uh, and also check out uh, check out all of our past episodes. Look forward to our upcoming episodes, including that Eternals episode dropping on the day of the film release. Yes. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JD underscore Martin underscore, uh, comics quest is making a comeback October 19th, uh, discussing the ghost fleet. And you can follow the sh- that, sh- my, that show on Twitter at comics quest show. Angela. Uh, yeah. And so, well, uh, for the show, for the fables and reflections and is spelled out for the, for the tags. Um, it is. And my personal Twitter, which uh, is uh, at Bullock underscore bits, um, where just stupid thoughts that pop into my head uh, about random things. Fun thoughts, though. <laughs> Fun, stupid thoughts. Um, but yeah, d- Twitter. Yeah. Welcome to Twitter, where the, where we all just spout dumb, stupid, dumb, fun, stupid thoughts. Hey, honestly, that's what Twitter like should be for. Is is j- that's the platonic ideal of Twitter, right yeah, there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead of just like instead of hot takes, it should just be dumb thoughts. Like like the thought like Twitter is designed for the dumb thoughts you have on the toilet because you're sco- broke because you're, cause you're- <laughs> broke hot takes. Yeah, woke dumb thoughts. Yeah, there you go. Um. But yeah, otherwise, uh, so this past Friday, our same episode dropped. Our next one is Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is a very short novel. And then it turns. It's beautiful and gorgeous in every way. Uh, it is. It's it's very, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, well, it's, it's a game and novel. Uh, especially, it's a game and novel he wrote for his wife, so like, <laughs> I look forward to the day I can see the stage adaptation of it that I know is currently running in the UK. Oh, yeah, no, I'm and I also pitch... I, I picked who I think should make the film, if they ever make the film. Spoiler alert: is David Lowry. How many? Uh, how many people need to tweet at or email the two of you for the show, uh, for you to have me on to talk about seminal Neil Gaiman masterpiece, Duran Duran? It's going to happen. <laughs> Angela did not want it to happen, uh, yeah, but when Al- well, no, when Alex and I last recorded, which was uh, our Suicide Squad Bad Blood episode, please go check that episode out. I'm very proud of that episode. We did great work there. It made me an official cult leader, apparently, <laughs> and it made me an official second demand to a cult leader. Uh, so, but Alex decided it was a good idea to read me the opening paragraph of Duran Duran by Neil Gaiman, and guess what? It sounded lovely, and the thing is, Angela, we're gonna do it. It's uh, eventually. I, it's gonna happen. I mean, it is. It is a game, and it it is game, and it's his very, very, very first published book that he wrote because he needed a paycheck. Yeah, and it flopped. Yeah, and it's. It isn't a wholly original observation that life and music and art and fashion and almost everything else, for that matter, move in a series of pendulum swings. That's the first sentence. And it's very Neil Gaiman, right off the bat. So guess what, Angela? We're doing it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's... Just like Alex is going to come on... Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it right now. Alex is coming on to Comics Quest this season because we got to talk all-new Wolverine. 
We're going to have to talk about when on the calendar that's happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. We're almost at the two-hour mark. Uh, thank you both for being here. Thanks to Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Panelology also is a member of the Certain POV Network. If you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture, go to certainpov.com. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. Get merch at bit.ly slash merch, capital P, capital M, or send us your questions, comments, or whatever at bit.ly slash mailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I'm JD. And I'm Angela Bones Bullock. Go read comics! CPOV. CertainPOV.com.